Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Let's go to the book of Genesis this morning, the book of Genesis chapter 13. And uh, I want to begin with verse 1 and read down through a few verses here today. The Bible says, And Abram went up out of Egypt. Everybody say, out of Egypt. He and his wife and all that he had, and Lot was with him into the south and Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold, and he he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been in the beginning between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. I want to talk to you today about the place of prayer. The place of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you, Lord, for being in your presence. Your word, O Lord, let it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Speak to us today in these troublesome times. Lord, when a world that is messed up, God, is in need of hope, in need of help, Lord, I pray, God, that we would we would reach for your word, the anchor, the anchor of our soul. We give you the praise, Lord, for it in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The place of prayer. When you study the life of Abraham, you will find that he is a man of altars, which means he was a man of prayer. His relationship with God was one of, of covenant, communion, faith, and worship to the Lord. His first altar that Abraham built was the result of God's promise when God said, Unto thy seed will I give this land, and there build he an altar unto the Lord. Amen. When he received a word from the Lord, he received a promise from God. Abraham's response, or Abram's response was, I'm going to pray. I'm going to build an altar. His second altar was the result of a deeper revelation from God. And the Bible says, And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Abraham's calling on the name of the Lord implies more than just an expression. It was growth. It was progression in revelation. First he saw God. Now he is acquainted with the power of his name. And as a result of that revelation, he built an altar. He built an altar. And so Abraham was an altar builder. 
Between Abraham's second altar and third altar lies a space of time that Abraham would probably like to forget. It is during this time that Abram takes a detour out of the land of promise and travels south to the country or the nation of Egypt. You can read this in Genesis chapter 12. You will find that when you begin to read those verses that it, it, it seems and appears to me that Abraham didn't go under God's direction. He went under his own direction. We find that Abraham, while he was there, compromised and lied. He told the king of Egypt that uh, this is not my wife, it's my sister. And so you know that whole story. He lied about that, trying to protect his own hide. And then that was a devastating issue with Abram. We find that also it, 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 he had problems in Egypt. He had compromise in Egypt. He didn't have God's direction to go to Egypt. His motive may have been, I believe, uh, uh, plausible. His motive would be believable. There was a famine in the land. And so he wanted to, to go to Egypt. But his method relied upon his personal understanding, his personal awareness of things. I will tell you that you and I will always get into trouble when we do things and go places and take a part of things that we first don't build an altar about. We don't pray about. We don't seek God about. Amen. One interesting fact that you will find that while Abraham is in Egypt, we find no record of him ever building an altar. There was no altars in Egypt. Amen. Mercy and grace drew Abraham back to communion and said, you need to get out of Egypt. And when you begin to look at the Bible, Egypt a lot of times is a type of the world. And it speaks to us of the world. And so he went to Egypt. He went to the world with a, a false sense of hope. But there's no altars in Egypt. There's no worship of Jehovah in Egypt, but he found compromise and crises and rejection in Egypt. He found sin and heartache in Egypt. Egypt looked promising. It looked like that that was the answer. Like I'm in a problem. I've got an issue. The best place that I can go is to Egypt. But rather you will find that in Egypt he had no prayer meeting. He had no altars that were built. And so the time come that he had to leave. And when Abraham left Egypt, he set his course to the place that he first built his altar. He went back to the place where his altars were built in a location called Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. I don't have time for a vacation. I'm going to the house of God. I don't have time for a detour. I'm going back to the house of God. I've been in Egypt too long, and so this is not a time for delay. This is not a time to question. I need to get back to the altar. I need to have an altar. Amen. Because an altar speaks to us today of the need of prayer. We need to have communication with God and build God an altar in this hour. <clears throat> and the Bible says that he, he made his place, he pitched his tent between Bethel and Hai. Bethel means the house of God. Hai means a place of trouble 
or ruin. Amen. I want to tell you somewhere between your trouble and your ruin, you need to find a house of God to build an altar at. Hallelujah. Well, where do I go when storms are raging in my life? I go to build an altar. Where do I go when I have trouble in my mind? I've got to go build an altar of prayer. Where do I go when I feel like that I've messed up and I've made mistakes and I've done things wrong and I've hurt people and I've broken relationships and I'm I'm far from God and I, I lied about my life. Where do I go when I've been in Egypt? I've got to go back to the place where there's a place to build an altar. To pray. To pray. I want to tell you today what will keep your family and your life from ruin, from Hai, is get closer to Bethel. Build an altar. E.M. Bounds, who was a, a pastor of a relatively small church, became very known for his writing on prayer. He's got volumes on prayer. But this is what he said in one of his writings. He said, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better Our new organizations are more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer, women of prayer, men and women mighty in prayer, the Holy Ghost does not flow through methods. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but it flows through people. It flows through men and women. Amen. He went on to write, He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but He anoints men and women in prayer. We have gotten it backwards so many times that we focus on the method We focus on the machinery, and that's all good and and, and well. We focus on organization, and that's good, and and it has its place. But I want to tell you, nothing will be anointed if the person is not anointed. To those of you that were standing here with our small groups, standing here with our life groups, from playing games to, to painting to Bible study, whatever the case may be, let's not just do it as a, a method or, or do it as just something that we're doing to take up time or have a good time. But I challenge you to pray before you get your, your, your life group going. Pray and say, God, will you help me? Help me, Lord, in this particular event. Let's reach somebody. Let's find a backslider and pull them back to you, O oh God. Let's find somebody that doesn't know you, Lord, and win them to the call of Christ we can't afford to be in a place where the world has so consumed us that we don't pray I can't be more concerned about what's happening in politics that I don't pray I can't be concerned by the news of CNN or Fox or MSN NBC or any of the other alphabet soup. I can't be concerned about that if I don't pray. Amen. We need to go to the foundation of all that is church and that is prayer. Prayer is the place that we find God and God begins to move for us. Amen. The world doesn't give you an opportunity for altars. It gives you an opportunity for methods, but not for altars. The world doesn't give you an opportunity for altars, but it'll give you an opportunity for machinery, for ideas and concepts. Amen. I remember years ago, anybody remember the paper and Ask Dear Abby? 
Can I see a hand? Oh, y'all, we're just dating ourselves right now. Ask dear Abby. Amen. I want to tell you, we need to ask dear Jesus. We need to have an idea and a concept that if I've got a trouble, I'm taking it to the Lord in prayer. But pastor, I don't know about that. I've tried. Well, try again. Amen. Don't pray in such a way, my will be done, but your will be done, Lord. Your will in my life. You speak to me. So I am going to go build a place of prayer. A place of prayer. Altars. Prayer is a powerful tool to get you into the presence of the Lord. It is also a powerful tool to see God move upon somebody's life. I will tell you that you can change situations by prayer. You can change your environment by prayer. Amen. There must be a travail that hits our hearts to see a revival that we're praying for. We need to be like Jeremiah when he said in chapter 9 and verse 1, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I may weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that is the passion of an intercessor. Amen. I want to give birth to something in my prayer. I want to pray and not waste God's time. I don't want to pray and waste my time. But I want to pray to birth something. To intercede until God shows up on the scene. I, I, I know the old timers used to say it this way. But it still rings true. We need to pray until we pray through. We need to pray till we pray through until we touch heaven and we know that we've heard from God. We know we have heard from God. Pray until you pray through. That might be that your eyes are like a fountain of tears. It may be that, that your emotions begin to spring up within you and you agonize in prayer and you weep in prayer and you cry in prayer. But I want to tell you, there's something that you need to also know what the psalmist said. In 126 and 5 of Psalms, he said, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. They that sow in intercession are going to reap God's blessings. Amen. Because God is looking for someone to intercede. It says in verse 6, He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. What does that mean? I'm bringing my answer to my prayers with me. I may begin in prayer by weeping, but I'm going to wind up rejoicing because God is a prayer answering God. God is a prayer answering God. But I need to find me a place a prayer with God. Years ago, one of the largest churches in the world was pastored by Charles Spurgeon. And someone went to his church. They, they, it is reported that he had 10,000 people. Back, I, I want to say that was in the 17, 1800s. That, that he, he pastored such a large group of people that it was unheard of at that time. And that there were people that would come and visit and say, what, is the, what, what keeps this church going? What is this church so big? And, and, and one particular guest came and there was a man standing there and asked him, said, we'd like to see 
why, you know, the, have a view of the church. And he said, let me tell you, let me take you to where the church really is. And they wound through the halls and went down into the basement in the, into a boiler room. It was a big, big room down in the basement. And, and there was probably 150 people there in the middle of the day crying out to God. Now, if a church that doesn't have the full truth is doing that, what should we be doing? What should we be doing? What should we be doing to weep and cry? Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, Brother Carpenter said this past week at the conference, of, uh, at the movement conference, Brother Carpenter said this. He said, a church culture of prayer has got to be the foundation of what we do. Amen. It's not about the building, brothers and sisters. It's not even about how many is in our seats. It's about the prayer. If we can pray and seek God, then God will begin to move. God will do what He wants to do. He'll begin to bring those that need to be saved through our efforts, yes. But it's God that does the work. I can convict no one. But prayer can do the work. I can help no one. But God can if I pray. If we pray, hallelujah. But we have to do it with a sense of brokenness and a sense of intercession. Amen. The, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and, a, and save as such as be of a contrite spirit, the psalmist said. He also said the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, O God, uh, thou will not despise. Job said it like this. My eye poured out tears unto the Lord. I believe in worship. And I thank God for rejoicing. But there needs to be a place. Where even nobody knows you and God get alone and pour your soul out to Him and begin to pray. Because nothing happens until we pray. Nothing happens until we touch God. What do you, what do you mean, Pastor? God can do whatever He wants. Yes, He can. But He's looking for those that He's given authority to say, mountain be moved. Amen. Sickness be healed. Amen. Deliverance happen in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> I will tell you, all our worship is great. All our worship is wonderful, but it doesn't move anything like prayer moves. Giving is wonderful. Generosity is important. Amen. Uh, singing and studying and preaching and all these things are wonderful, but nothing happens if you don't go back to Bethel and say, at Bethel, I'll build me an altar like I did in the first. I'll build me an altar again of prayer. Hallelujah. Prayer will usher in the mighty hand of God and move upon us. Jeremiah 33 and 3. Amen. I have a post-it note that my dad wrote this and I keep it in my office where it says, Jeremiah 33 and 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Call unto me. What does that mean? Build an altar. Go to prayer. Seek God. Prayer, prayer must be the paramount thing at MPC. Nothing will take place if we don't pray. But when we pray, whoo, hallelujah, because we've seen it work. When we pray, God begins to move. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 6, He said, when you pray, Enter into thy closet or thy place of prayer 
And when you have shut the door, pray thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall, somebody say shall, shall reward you openly. We want God's blessing openly, but are we willing to pray privately? We want God to move openly, but are we willing to pray privately? We want the blessing of God to show up in miracle signs and wonders, but are we willing to find a place of prayer that nobody can pat us on the back? Nobody can say, great job there, brother. Amen. But we, we, we want to see God move openly, then we need to find a place of prayer privately. Our church was birthed in the flame of revival. Revival because people prayed. They prayed in the fields. You've heard the stories. Coming out of the fields for for service when they've been praying in the fields. They prayed in their homes. They prayed on their horses. They prayed in their wagons. They prayed prayed in their cars. They prayed on their jobs. It's going to come, amen, in this hour if we find a place of prayer. The greatest weapon that the church has cannot be buried in the dust of complacency and doubt and fear. But we must rise up as prayer warriors in this hour and say, I'm going to touch God because I believe his, his word that prayer works. Prayer works. Hallelujah. I'm not going to seek my, my, my personal convenience and, and I'm not going to seek my personal uh, comfort. But oh God, let me rise up to prayer and let me, Lord Jesus, seek your face. <clears throat> I'm convinced that many of our present problems when it comes to sickness and spiritual battles and relationship issues at home and depression and discouragement and grief and difficulties in the church would be different, amen, if we would go and find us a place of prayer and stay there until we hear from God and God begins to, but no, we want somebody to give us a quick fix. We want a tweet that will give us an answer. We want a Facebook post that will give us an answer. We want a quick fix. We want a microwave mentality resolution. But God said, go to prayer. Seek my face. Seek my face. Praise be to God for prayer warriors that are sitting in this pew today. I wish that there would be more of us that would say, I'm rising to a place of prayer. There are some things, brothers and sisters, dear friends, that will never be remedied without prayer. I don't care how much smarts we have. I don't care how many counselors you go to. And I'm not, you know me, I'm not against counselors. I praise God for good, good counselors. But it will matter nothing if we don't go find a place to pray. A, a place to pray. When you begin to search church scripture, you will find that people prayed in various places and various times for various needs. We know that the Lord walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, and that was symbolic of prayer and communion. In the Garden of Eden, we find the Bible tells us that Samuel cried unto the Lord on the battlefield. On the battlefield, when Israel was at war with the Philistines, he prayed on the battlefield. Hallelujah. He prayed on the battlefield. Nehemiah prayed in a palace. He prayed in a palace. Jeremiah prayed in a deep pit. Mm. Jonah prayed in the fish's belly. Jesus prayed in a garden, he prayed in the wilderness, he prayed in a mountain, he prayed on, in a boat, and he prayed in the temple. Where are you going to find your place of prayer? The thief prayed on the cross. 
120 prayed in the upper room in Acts chapter 1 and 2. Stephen prayed in the middle of his own execution. He didn't just pray for himself. He prayed for his executioners. Peter prayed on the rooftop. The church prayed in the house of Mary. And Peter was delivered from prison. Paul and Silas prayed in prison. And God delivered them. Paul prayed on the seashore with the Christians of of Tyre. And then we find that Paul prayed in a ship because it was about to sink. Paul prayed at the bedside of a sick man in Acts 28. You will find all through Scripture that places of prayer when it comes to New Testament theology and understanding of prayer is the Bible said, pray without ceasing. Pray everywhere. Pray where your place of prayer may be at any moment. Amen. Do you know you can pray at Walmart? Yeah, you need to. That's right. You, you You can pray on your job. You can pray in your car. Amen. But there also is a time you need to have a designated Bethel where you go and get into the house of the Lord. Amen. That's why we have prayer before church. You need to be in that room calling on the Lord because it cannot be just that we're doing a good job. We need a God move. We need God to pour out His Spirit. We need a Holy Ghost move. Hallelujah. The enemy will tell us And lie to us and say there's no use to pray because it didn't work yesterday. It will not work today. The devil is a liar. Amen. He didn't tell me how many days to pray about it, how many requests to make, other than he told me be persistent, persevere, keep believing, keep praying. Hallelujah. Let's see God move. Jesus taught us that we need a place of prayer. And we also need a position of prayer. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh shall be opened. You know what he's saying? There's, There's a persistence. Progress. Progress, continue asking, seeking, and knocking. Continue to believe. Some of you will take, listen to me, you will take your prayers to your grave. So what? Those prayers do not end. They continue on. Hallelujah. After you've long gone on, there are some of you that are sitting here today because somebody prayed for you that has already gone on to glory, already left and with the Lord, but their prayers continue and they're, they're following after you. Amen. Here's what a prayer will do. Where's my coon hunters? What prayer will do is it'll be like the coon dog on trail. It'll get on that trail and it'll begin to seek it until finally God brings it to a place where it's going to be treed. It's got to be answered. This is what your prayer is. Sick them, God. Go after it, God. Go after that need. Amen. You never have to talk to that person. You never have to talk to that situation. You give it to God and let prayer track it in Jesus' name. I know you've heard this before, but let me say it. Too often we, we trade sweet hour of prayer for just a little talk with Jesus. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne 
Make all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's prayer by the return, by the return, sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer. The greatest weapon that is at your disposal is not your talent. It's not your ability. Amen. The greatest weapon that we have, though it is a weapon, is not our worship. It's not our singing. It's not our knowledge of doctrine and theology. It's not the fact that we can quote verse and chapter, but it is that we can go to prayer, that we can find us a place that will move heaven and earth. Hell doesn't care if you do church. Hell doesn't care if we are a busy church, but a, 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 a hell begins to tremble when a church begins to pray and seek God. And that's why the devil fights you so hard when it comes to prayer. Want to keep you down about prayer because prayer moves mountains. It destroys yokes. It changes life. God flexes his holy arm when his people bow their knees in prayer. Notice Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he shall say, uh, which he saith, shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. We understand in context. We pray the will of God. We pray the mind of God. We pray the, 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 the essence of God and the thought of God. But when we pray, nothing will move until we pray. Nothing. Nothing will happen until we pray. But when we pray, <laughs> there's no telling what God will do. There's no telling what God will do. It is the greatest weapon that the church has today to pray and watch heaven be moved. Watch heaven move. Prayer is the, is the, is the primary identity of the church. Amen. God said to the Lord Jesus when he cleaned the temple, amen, he said, my house, in my house, he told him in Matthew 21 and put up verse 13. He said, it is written, my house shall be called a, the house of prayer, but you've made it a den of themes. Amen. His house is to be known as a house of a prayer. This is what, what does that mean? This is altar building place. This is a place you can come touch God. This is a place that you can call on the Lord and connect with heaven. Amen. Now please understand that there are many levels of prayer that you can pray while you're worshiping and connect to God. You can pray while you're sitting right where you are and begin to connect to God. But that's what the church is built on. It's built on the concept of prayer. Let's baptize our worship with prayer. Worship team, baptize yourself in prayer before coming to worship the Lord. Amen. Before we preach, we better pray. Before we're in the choir, we better pray. Amen. Before we serve in leadership or in any working capacity, 
Let's pray. Let's ask God to help us and use us. Let's set the stage for God to use us. Let me just tell you, those that, that, that clean the church before and after, and those of you that are a part of the, of the team that keeps the church clean, let me just say this. You're not just keeping the church clean. Why don't you pray over every pew that you wipe down? Pray over every seat. Oh, God, would you touch sister so-and-so? Will you touch brother so-and-so? Lord, will you help in that situation? Lord, I will go down the hall. I'm vacuuming the hall. What am I saying? I'm saying, oh, God, let these Sunday school rooms do their job. Lord, would you touch pastor and bishop in their office uh, as they're studying and pray. Oh God, would you move on? Amen. Don't let it just be a job. Let it be an altar place. Make your life an altar of prayer. Because when we pray, God moves. The Holy Ghost fell in Acts chapter 2 in a prayer meeting. In a prayer meeting. And they weren't just staying there in the upper room. You study it. They were going to the temple and they were going to the upper room. They were going to the temple and they were going to the upper room. They were praying and seeking God. The lame man was healed as Peter and John were on their way to what? A prayer meeting. A prayer meeting. In Acts 4 and 31, the Bible says, And when they played, the, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God boldly. When they prayed, they spake boldly. And God shook the house. In Acts 6, it says that when they prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied. When they prayed. When they prayed. God help us to baptize ourselves with the idea and concept of prayer. In Acts 9 and verse 10, it talks about how Ananias knew that Paul was changed. Because the Lord told Ananias, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, the guy that was killing Christians and persecuting Christians before. And what was he doing? Behold, he prayeth. Here's how you know if a person is on discipleship track. You're going to know that their prayers are going forward and they have an altar. They have a place of prayer. Peter got a revelation of going to the Gentiles in a prayer meeting. Peter was delivered from prison when the church had a prayer meeting. Paul and Barnabas was sent out to do the Lord's will after the church had a prayer meeting. Paul and Silas were cast in prison, but they didn't stay there because they had a prayer meeting in the prison house. Something happens when you begin to say, this place, wherever it is, a battlefield, uh, uh, your home, your car, wherever it is. I'm turning this into a place of prayer. I don't have to scream loud. Nobody even has to hear what I'm saying. But I'm binding devils and rebuking the enemy. I'm praying and seeking the Lord. Amen. Wherever you are, turn it into a place of prayer. Would you stand with me, please? I want to encourage you. Be willing to shut your TV off and pray. Take some time away from your hobbies and pray. Hallelujah. Oh, I just, just, this is, this is a guilt thought. This is not a God thought. This is a guilt thought. Maybe we should pray before we watch. But getting along with God has got to be a, a preeminent Essential concept in this hour. 
I've got good news for you. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The world's going to continue to get bad. It's going to get worse and worse. But Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? Have you been born again? Amen. Is your name written in the book of life? Hallelujah. Are, are, are you at a place where you can say, I'm leaving Egypt and I'm headed to a place I can build an altar? I'm going to build an altar. I'm going to make a place of prayer, a place where I can touch God and God can touch me. A place of prayer where things begin to happen in the name of Jesus. We're living in the last days. If there ever was a time we needed a place of prayer, it's now. It's now. A Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.